week we started in Luke 15, and we started in the first of three parables that Jesus is gonna say, that he's gonna, t- he's gonna tell us. And uh, we covered verses one through seven last week. If you were here, you remember it was about the sheep that wandered away, you know, the, the child in the grocery store example. Like, you, the sheep doesn't make this conscious decision that looks at the, the shepherd and goes, I no longer trust your leadership. This is where our journey ends together. We have to start a different thing, right? That's not how sheep work. We learned that if a sheep gets away from a flock, it's probably just distracted. Something happened, but it actually isn't prone to doing that. So if it does end up alone, it probably wasn't on purpose. They just got distracted. And we talked about God's heart for the wanderer, that God has a heart for the one that goes, I don't know how I got here. There's a big gap between me and God, between me and the family of God, and I need rescuing. We just talked about God's heart for that. Like he, he will rescue. He will do that thing. He does notice and today we're going to be in a parable It's kind of in a similar vein, um, with just a little bit of nuance, a little bit of difference. We're going to talk about this parable of the lost coin. And before we, before we read the passage in Luke 15, verses 8 through 10, page 510, if you use one of our blue Bibles, um, I want to tell you a story about a guy with the coolest name, or at least top 10 coolest name in the history of ever, all right? He's a guy named Mephibosheth. Anybody hear about Mephibosheth? If you've heard, about, if you've heard that name before, will you just raise your hand? Shout out, man, that back row is repping Mephibosheth. I respect, y'all been in the word. Second Samuel is your vibe, that's awesome. So in Second Samuel, there's a guy named Mephibosheth, all right? He shows up in chapter four and chapter nine. I'm gonna tell you about Mephibosheth, all right? And I'm gonna keep saying his name because I'm proud that I keep saying it right, all right? Uh, so Mephibosheth is this guy who has a dad named Jonathan, all right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a brief family tree, all right? So Mephibosheth, man, I stepped, Matt, I'm sorry, I stepped on your thing. Uh, it's fine. I'm, I don't, okay, Amos, my bad. Um, so Mephibosheth, all right, he's got a dad named Jonathan, all right? Jonathan is BFFs with a guy named David, all right? Jonathan is also a son of a guy named Saul. Here's why that's important. Saul, Jonathan's dad, Mephibosheth's granddad, is the king of Israel. David, Jonathan's BFF, is the next king of Israel, all right? They're not in the same family. So the lineage is gonna change. It's gonna go from Saul's family to David's family. Because of this, Saul and David have beef, all right? Like David is like serving the king Saul, but Saul knows like you're about to take my spot. So he like will just throw a spear at him mid playing the harp, all right? That's a thing that actually happened. Back then it was crazy. <laughs> if you had beef, you didn't talk it out. You didn't go to family counseling. You just threw spears. That's just how it worked. And so Saul and David, they're not vibing very well, all right? But you can see the tension because Jonathan, Saul's son, and David are like best friends. And then Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. So in 2 Samuel 4, there's a war going on. And at the same time, Saul and Jonathan both are killed in battle. Big news for David because it means, one, he's going to become the king of Israel. And two, he just lost his best friend. And crazy thing about Mephibosheth, here he comes back into the story um, with his name and everything, is that he is... (coughs) Five years old at the, at the time that this happens, where his dad and his granddad pass away in war, a nurse, panicking upon hearing the news that these people have passed away, begins to flee, I'm sure fearing that maybe the, the regime's gonna come and overtake their land, whatever. And as she is running, I'm guessing she like hit a rock or something, they probably had open-toed shoes and it really hurt, she drops Mephibosheth. Five-year-old Mephibosheth is just plummeting towards the ground, all right? This drop is so significant that it breaks his feet or something, it cripples Mephibosheth for life, all right? So just tough, true story about our guy Mephibosheth, right? Dad, granddad pass away, nurse running, fumbles Mephibosheth, 
cripples them for life, all right? That's in 2 Samuel 4. It's a true story. 2 Samuel 9, King David is gonna ask the question, is there anyone left of Saul's lineage? I want to honor them in honor of my best friend, like my ride or die, Jonathan. I wanna like bless that family. Is there anybody left? And the guy goes, absolutely. There's a guy named Mephibosheth. He's been crippled since he was five years old. Nurse dropped him, I'll get him. They bring Mephibosheth to the kingdom. And David, and Mephibosheth gets before David and he's like, look, paraphrase, look, I know that there's potentially beef here because my whole granddad and the spear and you were just trying to play some like sweet music, we're good. Me and you, I'm good. If you're good, I'm good. I'm definitely good. I love you. I think, I always thought my granddad was crazy. And David goes, look, calm down. I'm not here to harm you. I'm here to make sure that all the land that your granddad and your dad owned is, is given to you. I'm not gonna keep that from you. And, I, and he, he calls on a servant. He goes, hey, I want you to make sure there are farmers farming this land so that Mephibosheth gets his crops. And also, Mephibosheth, know this, as long as you're here, because of who your dad is, you are always welcome in the kingdom. You can always eat at my table. It's this amazing story where Mephibosheth is this guy that early on in his life, he kind of takes a fall, like it's crippled, loses his family. Um, and, but then later on, you see like this redeeming moment where the king says, you're always welcome here. You're a royalty as long as you're here because of who your dad is. And I was thinking about this story and how, like what a wild twist and turn of events for this guy and just going, man, the big picture is pretty incredible, like of this like long story. But the truth is, at some point, Mephibosheth was like 17 years old, wondering, what is my life? Like, my goodness, like before the story had been told fully, before the portrait had been painted, like there were moments where he was just a crippled guy with no dad, no granddad. Like, what was he doing in a time where physical labor was really the only option? Like, what was his life? And just thinking about like, the moments of darkness he must have felt before his story was completed. And we're gonna read a parable today that whereas last week we read about a sheep that wanders away, today we're gonna talk about a coin that finds itself lost through no fault of its own. And I believe that a lot of us are gonna to relate to a coin today more than we ever thought possible. I think the story of Mephibosheth is gonna help us connect dots to how sometimes we just find ourselves, if you go, man, I've been dropped. There's moments I've been hurt, I didn't ask for it. And Jesus is gonna just exclaim his heart for you, that he sees you, that he loves you. So um, turn to Luke chapter 15, if you haven't done that already. We're gonna read verses eight through 10. By the sound of it, you've already done it. Way to go, way to be proactive. Um, if you're using one of our blue Bibles, that's on page 510. If you don't have a blue Bible, or if you don't have a Bible and you have one of our blue Bibles, take that home with you, it's our gift to you. All right, let's read, and then I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna just go for it this morning. Jesus, in the middle of talking, he just told his first parable from last week, and now he's saying this. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I'm gonna pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful, sweet group of people that on Sunday, February 10th at 11 a.m. chose to be here. And God, I believe it's on purpose. And I ask, Lord, that you will do truly what only you can do. Holy Spirit, will you be at work? Father, I pray for a spirit of being proactive this morning that we wouldn't 
be apathetic or numb as your word is talked about, but God, that we would be open, that our eyes and ears right now would be open and engaged to like seeing what you're trying to say, what you're trying to speak. And I pray, God, that please, Lord, whatever is, whatever is of you, whatever is true of you, whatever is important, whatever hearts need to hear, will you just help those, those words to stick? Um, God, we help them to be unshakable. And God, wherever there's distraction um, or words that aren't true of you, needless words, will you just help them to fall by the wayside and carry no extra weight to them, that, that just the true words can sink in. I believe, Lord, that there are people here, God, that just need to know what's gonna be talked about today. Um, so Lord, will you help it resonate? Um, will you help our hearts be soft soil? Um, God, that you can plant your truth in that. You can nurture us, grow us, Lord. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, I was... I was praying in the pre-worship that we kind of meet as the band and we just kind of pray before we come out here and do our thing. And um, there was a story that came to my mind. I'll tell a couple stories this morning. Um, the story that came to mind this morning, though, is today we're, we're talking about this, this lost coin. And just like last week, how we said, hey, let's look at, look at the story from the perspective of the lost sheep. Today we're gonna go, hey, let's start out by looking at the story from the perspective of the lost coin. Because a coin doesn't like grow feet and turn rebellious and run away from its owner, right? A coin is only a product of its environment. Like, however the owner treats the coin is what happens to the coin, right? So if you drop the coin in between your seat and the cup holder, the next person to find it will be the person you sold your car to when they decided to clean it, right? Like, that's how it goes. Like, you've forgotten it, or, or you dropped it, or you overlooked it, or you missed whatever, whatever happened. And today we're gonna talk about the person who goes, I was dropped, I was forgotten, I was overlooked, I was mistreated, I fell, or someone dropped me, and it was of no fault of my own, and I have some stuff in my heart. And I, I thought about, and I won't give details because I don't like stories that include blood, but when I busted my chin one time, in order to stitch up my chin, you were there, and you were scared, Daniel was with me in the ER, and he was going <laughs> when the doctor started doing this thing. It's really terrible, some of you are, like in the doctor and nursing thing, and good for you guys, you're so brave. And in order to like stitch up a wound, do you know what they have to do first to numb it? Ugh. They have to like, they gotta put a needle in it. And it's, let me tell you something, it is tough. It is tough when they're like, okay, we're gonna make you feel better. Okay, good. We're gonna give you a shot directly where you're hurting the most. Actually, can we call time out? Let's talk about this real quick. Let's me and you, I trust you, but like, let's me and you have a one-on-one -on -one about my perspective of this situation, you know? And, and they have to give you a shot, but if they don't give you the shot, they can't actually numb it. But once they numb it, you don't feel anything. And I think that as I was talking in the pre-worship gathering today, I, I just stumbled upon that as I was praying and thinking like, this conversation's a lot like that actually, that there's wounds in our life, there's things that break our hearts. And whenever we get hurt, our like, instinct is to guard that. You know, like, hey, don't, that's, that's my pain. Like, don't touch it. <laughs> like, and, and we build things around it. And I think that today, in order for us to find healing, uh, we're gonna have to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. And uh, just, I don't believe that God intends on exposing a wound that he doesn't plan on healing. So I, I don't think he's gonna, whatever wounds are there, um, when, as we talk through, like, what does it mean to be dropped, to be forgotten, to be overlooked, to be mistreated, all these things, um, Whatever God brings up in your heart, you can, you can trust him with it. I believe that. I believe there is like healing, that he intends on healing it. Anyway, I don't wanna get ahead of myself. So from the perspective of the coin, a coin does not wonder, right? It's been dropped, it's been mistreated, it's been overlooked. 
whatever else. And um, my dad was telling me this story on, uh, on Monday uh, this week. Uh, he was at the Super Bowl party at his church, um, and they were in the youth building because they have a youth building, which sounds pretty cool. And they were there, and um, a kid came upstairs and was like, hey, Scott, there's a guy outside on a motorcycle, and he needs a cap for his gas tank. Um, and my dad was like, okay, uh, I'll come out and see what's going on. And he goes outside, and this guy looks to be in his 40s or 50s, and as my dad described it, he was like, this dude, you could just tell, had just been through it. Like, he is rough, rough face, like, just rough look. Like, I don't know what's been going on, but I think this guy's just been going through some real-life stuff. And so he tossed this guy, and he's like, hey, you know, we'll get this all taken care of. We'll fix your gas tank or whatever, but do you want to come in? We've got food and drink. Like, let, let me feed you, and then you can go on your way. And he's like, yeah. And so my dad starts asking him questions, getting to know him, whatever, and he said that this man starts telling him some, some details about his life that were just, just, just gut-wrenching. And uh, he starts saying, like, you know, my mom, I'm, I'm only here because my mom is right now dying of cancer. Like, she's gonna die pretty soon. Um, and uh, my daughter, who was 20 years old, just overdosed on drugs. I believe in the past year, um, is being investigated for murder. They think someone either assisted or, like, caused the overdose. And, and uh, he just starts weeping. I mean, just picture, like, a bunch of 18-year-olds running around being complete idiots. And then this guy just sitting and talking to my dad, just, like, bawling his eyes out. And my dad said he's, like, ugly crying. He was letting it out. And as he was talking, he, he just, he said, like, I don't know how I got here and how I'm talking to someone that I don't know about all this pain, <laughs> like, but I'm here and here it is. And then uh, he starts talking about, like, you know, I, I never felt like I belonged in church. Like, people like me, you know, you walk in, you feel pretty judged. And, and uh, I don't know how much of that was true, but I, if I had to guess, some of that was probably pretty true. He felt pretty noticed whenever he'd walk into a church building the way he was. And, um, and just, like, telling this, this heartbreaking story. And as I was thinking about that this week, as I was reading this, this parable, I, that's what came to my mind. Like, man, what are the odds that a guy who is about to lose a mom, who lost a daughter, shows up at church and actually only comes asking for a cap for his gas tank? Like, he didn't show up for prayer or healing. He didn't come expecting to be vulnerable. He just said, I got this like shallow thing that's on my radar. If you could just help my gas tank. I don't know why you need a cap for the gas tank. My guess is gas would come out of it, but that's, that's what he came for. But everybody knows that he needs a lot more than that. And as they just started talking, and as I heard that, you know, I think what was true of this man on some level is true of a lot of us right now. That, that we have, you're here right now. How are you? How was your weekend? How's your week? How's your job? How's school? How's the thing? It's good. Everything's good. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And we're just giving like gas cap answers. <laughs> like, oh, I'm good, like surface level, we're fine. But a lot of us are here and we know, we understand that like we are broken. And no one asks, like no one like goes looking for a way to like lose their daughter in such a tragic way. It just happens. And life is brutal. And we can go back and examine what all led to the moment. But the point is like when there is a deep place of wounding, like, I think a lot of us show up here and go, it's okay. I'm sure someone else is hurting worse or like I'm fine. It's been long enough where I'm, I'm kind of over it. But a lot of us are here going like, I've actually never found healing for this. I haven't come out with it. And we're gonna talk a little bit about God's heart for you. If you're here today going, I'm good at the gas cap conversation. I'm a little hesitant on the my heart is, is broken conversation. And I think Jesus wants you to know today, I believe that God wants you to know today that he, he sees it for real, for real, and he cares, really, and it's a safe place to go, it's not my fault. And I know that, I think, one of the tensions I was feeling this week is uh, we kind of live in a, a time where blame always goes another direction. 
never like, oh, I'm responsible. It's my fault. Um, and so I get kind of nervous to feed into that mindset that goes, oh, it's something else. But then as I was praying and just thinking this week, I'm like, no, there are, pe- there, there are many people here right now where things have happened and they are not your fault. Like you are wounded because someone was careless or because someone was wicked or because life fell a certain way and it just broke your heart, and I can't give enough examples to cover the vast array of brokenness that, that might be in this room right now, but I'll give a couple, okay? So I think about, man, a lot of times we get broken because someone was just careless, just careless, maybe not malicious, but just they weren't thinking when they said or did something and it hurt, or because people are wicked. Like some of us are here and going, no, it wasn't an accident. Like someone hurt me, I remember it, I know how it was, it was on purpose, and I'm just like, I'm broken for it. So like, I think about like careless things. I'm gonna give a, a humorous example, but I'm gonna hopefully touch on something that's real. So like, I remember being in second grade and there was this girl named Hannah that I had a low key crush on that was in third grade. I don't like her anymore, she's terrible. I'm looking at my wife telling her it's okay. Um, and uh, and uh, I love that joke. Every time I talk about it, yeah. Anyway, so um, and, and this girl, Hannah, um, Hannah Clope, if you're listening, I remember this story about you. Um, she uh, looked at me. <laughs> And uh, I don't think she was being malicious, malicious at all. I think she was being observant. But she looked at me and said, you have a big head. <laughs> so you have a big head. And then she started laughing with her friend. And I swear to you, it wasn't like she was being mean. She was just finding my head humorous. It was like, no, oh, it's just a, huh. like a funny joke. Your head is a funny joke. It's a funny. I'm not, you're not stupid or anything. This is just funny how big your head is compared to your little body. And, uh, and I remember like I'm sitting on the row, like turned over at the seat. Like I'm, there's like rows of seats and they're all linked together. You can't separate them. And I'm turning around because they're on the row. I'm like, my hands are right here. My huge head is over the seat. And I'm like, and after they get done with this little bit that they're having about my head, I just turn around. I'm like, <laughs> just sit down like, oh, sweaty hands, sweaty pits. You know what I'm saying? And and since that day, you can ask my, have I talked about my big head? Yes. Since that day, I'm like, man, my head is so big. If I lean too far to the right of my head, my whole body just like goes with it. You know what I'm saying? It's that heavy. And I'm just like, that's so interesting. I was in second grade and some third grader was being a third grader and being innocently vicious, all right? And like talking about my head. And I just thought like, whoa, that stuck with me. And some of us go, man, there were moments where maybe they didn't mean to, Maybe my friends just like to be super sarcastic all the time. And so like cutting away at people is like a fun thing. But man, I swear these words are starting to hurt me. <laughs> like that one actually, you touched on the insecurity. So I'm gonna laugh this off, but I'm hurting here. Like someone was just careless or maybe someone's just careless with their actions. You keep getting on Instagram stories and you keep seeing the group that you wanna be in the group text, hang out. And you're like, my goodness, like why do they never include me on this? Like I see them all the time. They just keep not including me. Like maybe someone's just being careless with how they act. I don't know. Maybe you, you go, man, I have parents that love me. Like I, I haven't been abused or anything like that, but, but like they've worked so hard to provide for me, but they've worked so hard they've forgotten to like see me. And every time I go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, there is zero emotional connection. And although I don't think I have anything to compare, complain about, they've been a little careless with like me, the daughter, like me, the son. Like I, we don't connect and that hurts me. So I don't think they've been malicious. I think they're trying their best to take care of me, but like I'm hurting and it's affected the way I see me, the way I see God, the way I see my family. But some of us are here and we go, no, uh, it's not a careless thing that has given me a wound that I'm walking with. It's, it's, a, it's an act of wickedness. I think about some of you are here and you go, for some reason in elementary and middle and high school or all the above, like I was a magnet to bullying. Like people were just mean to me. And I swear, I was just, I, I was a kind person. I wasn't trying, like, I don't know if it was what I wore, what I looked like, my personality, but I could just never do it right. 
And people were just vicious. And so whenever I show up, I'm pretty sure I won't belong. Like, I'm just pretty sure someone will find a reason why I'm just too something. It just won't work out. Or some of us go, no, like, I was abused. Like, I think about my dad. My dad, from the time he was born to the time he moved at the house, he was abused in a lot of different ways his whole life. Didn't ask for it. Just born into the world, physically, verbally, mentally abused his whole life. And some of you go, that's me. Like, I've been abused. Like, whether it's one time or a hundred times, like whatever the abuse is. Some of you go, I've been sexually abused. That person in my family would always find a way to sneak away and they have hurt me and I can't talk about it. And you need to stop talking about it right now because I'm not really trying to process this information right now. Some of us are here and we go, man, my parents, like I I thought everything was fine, but for some reason, like that other person was worth one of my parents' romantic interests and I'm having to pay the price for that. Like, they get what they want, I'm just here. Like, I just get to be here and bear the consequences of their sinfulness, and I'm just here trying to be big about it, trying to act like I'm not 22 years old and figuring this out. So we just go, oh, we're just bearing it. And I go, man, if you're there, I believe that today is for you, for you to know that God sees you. Because there's a tricky thing that happens when we find ourselves feeling dropped or mistreated, or overlooked, or forgotten about. You know, it's amazing how if you're somewhere long enough, no matter where it is, it begins to feel like home. It's an amazing thing that we can do. We can adapt to our surroundings. I have some friends that live on the street. They're genuine friends. I've been friends with them for years. have a lot of conversations with them. And let me tell you, they have no desire to get off the street. It's insane. From my perspective, I'm like, hey, I can help you. Like, I can I know people, I can get you a job. We can try to work towards housing. I can help you save, I can help you budget. I'll sit down with you. There's no need. Like, I'm good with 8th and Wedgwood. That's my home. I got a tent in the woods. I'm good. And to me, it like blows my mind. Like, no, 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 you're not. Like, I'm one of the guys that lives in a home. Let me help you be like me. Like, I I can help you with this. But it's amazing. They've lived in the streets long enough. They're just used to it. And they're not even complaining about it. They're fine. Like, they tell jokes. They have fun and all this stuff. And it was just fascinating. I just was thinking about that. Like, well, if they've been there long enough, you adapt. It becomes home again. I think some of us go, I've been in a dark place so long I honestly, the want to get out is kind of gone. I'm I'm good. I'm used to it. I can deal with this now. Like, this is just my reality. But I think we're reading a story today. Jesus is not telling a parable to go, hey, I'm gonna give you a 12-step program to cope with the darkness you find yourself in. I don't believe that's Jesus' word for you today. I think Jesus is saying, if you find yourself in a dark place, no way to get out, hurt, wounded, hard to talk about it, hard to process it, no matter how small or big you perceive it to be, it's hurting your heart. Jesus goes, I want you to know that I'm about to light a lamp, I'm about to clean the house, and I'm coming looking for you specifically. That Jesus, the story of the gospel, was not content to leave people in their darkness. That when the light of the world came to earth, it was with the intention to illuminate the world that no darkness could exist anymore. I think you need to hear today that Jesus, like when he got on the cross, he became wounded. He became wounded like you and I are wounded to know that, but he didn't stay on the cross. He resurrects, he becomes like us in our woundedness so that we can become like him in his resurrection. I believe that he wants to to restore and to heal you and to find you and to pick you up and to hug you. There's a verse in Hebrews that says, hey, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize in our weaknesses. Like, he is able. 
He put on flesh. He knows our experience. And like he knows our experience, he wants us to know his resurrection. And I was thinking about this conversation today. And I, this, this movie scene came to my mind, which might feel random, but I bet you'll know exactly what I'm talking about if you've seen it. Um, it's called Goodwill Hunting. That movie, you've seen that? Yeah. There's this really, gosh, I've got to stop stepping on the pedal. Sorry, Amos. Jeez. Um, there's this movie called Goodwill Hunting. And uh, there's this really powerful scene between Robin Williams and Matt Damon. And uh, there's this moment where I actually, I don't think I've seen the movie. Maybe I have, but I've seen this, this scene. And Matt Damon's got all kinds of baggage, I think. A lot of hurt in his heart. And Robin Williams begins looking at him. And apparently, whatever happened to Matt Damon, maybe his parents or something, um, he looks at Matt Damon and goes, hey, it's not your fault. And, and you watch his progression, Robin Williams, over and over again, just looking Matt in the eyes, goes, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's always saying, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And you watch Matt Damon, who does an amazing job here. He's like, at first he's like, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. Is it, Matt da- is it Matt Damon? Okay, Matt Damon. That doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't matter. I was like, is it Ben Affleck? My bad. No, it's Matt Damon. It is. I know. I'm still trapped up here. Um, but the whole time he's like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And he's like, all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. Hey, stop. Shut up. Stop. Stop. Like, just stop saying it's not your fault. And then slowly he just starts to cry. His heart just like breaks because it's like it's the truth that his heart needs to hear. But like over time, he built like these defenses in his heart that goes, I don't need anything. I think this morning, as interesting as it is to use a goodwill hunting, which has a lot of cursing and stuff, I wouldn't like advise the move, but I'm using this to hopefully speak into your heart. I think God brought that scene to my mind going, I believe that you are most likely, some of you, if not all of us, are carrying wounds and in this moment, I think God wants to like, like pick you up and hug you this morning and look you in your eyes and go, hey, it's not your fault. In a world where there's plenty of things that we do wrong, we mess up, there are some areas in your heart that have just devastated you. And over and over again, just imagine, just imagine Jesus looking at you and saying, it's not your fault. And allow him to keep saying it as it works down the layers of, okay, thanks, that was nice. Thank you for the sentiment. He keeps saying, no, hey, do you hear? It's not your fault, Jesus. I got it. Stop. I get it. He keeps saying, it's not your fault. I love you. You're my child. I love you. You're my child. I love you. I want to heal you. I want to pick you up. And I think that some of us here today need to let God minister. And as it works its ways down to the layer, the very bottom layer of our heart, and actually get to the point, the place in your heart that goes, I need to hear the words, it is not my fault that you really love me, that you really see me, that this dark place is not my home, but that you plan on picking me up and with all the perfection of heaven, you wanna bring me into your arms as the angels in heaven go, this is good news. And they begin to celebrate. I thought about screaming right there. It didn't feel like the moment, but I feel like angels wanna just scream and celebrate and rejoice because someone who was dropped, someone who was forgotten, someone who was broken, was picked up by the loving arms of the Father, and they came home. I believe this is for you this morning. Thinking about the story of Mephibosheth, this guy who, if I'm being honest, I gotta think, he had days where he was like, what is life that this is my lot? <laughs> like, that I'm just crippled and without a dad. Like, what, what is life that this is just my situation? And in that moment where David goes, everything here, this table, this place that we meet, you can come here anytime simply because of who you belong to. And I think for you to understand that God longs to pick you up, 
to love you, to nurture you, to walk with you, to heal you simply because you are his child. Like you are a son or a daughter of the king and he wants you. He wants you in his family. And so we're gonna enter into a time of like reflection and I'm just gonna ask you to be vulnerable with the Lord. Um, usually we like circle up chairs and talk, um, but today I, I'm just gonna allow you just to be quiet and we're gonna sit in like silence for a couple of minutes. And if you're like me, you sit in silence and you're like, I don't remember the last time I heard silence. Um, and hopefully that, that helps you like really hear what's going on in your heart. But I wanna ask you a few questions. We're gonna have a slide on the screen. And um, the first question is, uh, as you think about this story, you have this woman loses a coin, goes and finds it, celebrates. Who do you identify with and why? Like you hear this and you might go, like I actually identify with the woman. Like I feel like God has put it on my heart to like pursue people that are broken. And listen to that, why is that? What's going on? Think about that, pray about it. But some of you go, man, I'm the coin. And obviously some of us might go on both, but you might go, man, I feel like the, the coin, like I feel like I've been dropped. I don't know how to talk about it. I need God to come into my life and to minister to my heart and to like heal me. I just want you to just take some time to process that, to think about that on your own quietly, just to go on that with, with the Lord. Um, some of you, uh, well, I kind of already did number two, my fault. Uh, yeah, so any bruises or wounds, like go before the Lord there. Um, and then thirdly, some of you go, you know what? Like I have wounds and I wanna go find people, but also as you're talking, I think that I've wounded somebody. Like I actually think that I might be the person that wounded someone. I just wanna invite you to let God in on that to search your heart, to pray, like how is God asking you to step in that? But for the next few minutes, I'm gonna ask you to do something that takes, I think, courage. And depending on your story, it it might take a lot of courage. Uh, I don't know what your story is with God. I don't pretend to know what got you here today and and how you view God and and your wounds and like coming before him with them. But I believe that the Lord wants to do work. And so I'm gonna give you like two minutes to be quiet, to reflect on these questions, to pray and talk with God. And then after about two or three minutes, um, Maddie's gonna come up, uh, Maddie Fowler, she has gone through this thing called Freedom Prayer Training, and it's where, um, I don't know how else to say it, uh, in like love and like power, she's gonna walk us through prayers with the Lord um, that will identify with wherever we find ourselves, and she's just gonna lead us through some prayer. I just wanna invite you to engage with her as she leads you. So for right now, will you just bow your head or close your eyes or whatever, whatever works for you? Um, maybe eyes closed will help with distraction, um, and just reflect and think about it. What, as I've been talking through this, woundedness, brokenness, hurt, pain. What things do you go, man, I'm wounded here. And it wasn't my fault and I I feel unseen. And I keep saying, well, someone else has it worse. Like I've went through this, but someone else has went through 10 times this. And will you just let God go? I care about each of my kids equally and individually. I see your wounds. I want to heal. So I just invite you to reflect for a little bit and then Maddie will come up and lead us through a prayer.
as you guys continue to sit and to reflect and to be in this place with God, I just want to remind you guys that you, you might be tempted to believe that whatever it was that maybe is resonating in your heart that you, you need healing from or freedom from, um, big or small, I just want to remind you that you were made to hear the voice of God. And I believe that whatever he brought to your heart is exactly what he wants to speak to this morning. You were made to hear the voice of God. I want to give you guys time to continue to sit in the presence of God. And see yourself in this place of, I was dropped, and I've made my home somewhere. And I want you to invite Jesus into that place, whatever it looks like, no matter how dark it is, invite him into that place. God, you are a good father. Jesus, you have made a way for us to know that about God, and you are our friend. Holy Spirit, you are welcome into this space in my heart that I have guarded for so long. Would you shine a light on what it is that you need to speak to today, that I need healing from, that I need freedom in? Will you give me the courage to believe that this is what I was made for? If you identified with the woman, someone who just feels like in a season of, I want to go after the people who are lost and are hurting, I just want to pray a blessing over you. Jesus, Would you give these people the eyes to see those who are in dark spaces, those who feel lost, those who feel dropped and forgotten about, but are coping? Jesus, would you give eyes to see the people that need freedom and love and prayer? And for those of you who, you, your heart's pounding, you know the Holy Spirit is, is kind of asking you to be brave, to bring out um, into the light this, this thing that has just hurt you that you did not ask for. I just ask, would you, would you really get in a place with Jesus? Visualize him in that space as I lead you through this this prayer that I hope you will repeat in your heart. Jesus, I choose to let you see me in my forgotten, hurt place. 
Jesus, I choose this morning to let you see me and I acknowledge that I want you to find me. It is Jesus's character to delight in illuminating the dark places of your, of your life. It is his delight. And I want you to remember, I want you to believe that you are not the darkness. That that was something that this broken world, the somebody or the something brought to you. You are not the darkness. So let Jesus bring you out of the darkness, from your heart and into the light. When you've been living in the consequences of someone else's negligence, we have a tendency to hold on to the need to serve them justice and vengeance for the hurt that they've caused you. And I wanna acknowledge your hurt is real and it deserves attention and acknowledgement. But your desire to serve them justice and vengeance is not your job. That is Jesus's job. And he will do it perfectly, all the while tending to that hurt tending to your needs, not forgetting what was wronged of you, but holding on to that puts you in jail. He is perfect in justice and mercy, and our view of that is tainted. So pray in your heart after me. Jesus, I relinquish my rights to seek justice and vengeance on this person's life or this situation that I did not ask for. And I pass it to you because you are perfect in justice and mercy. And my view of what that looks like is tainted. You will not forget about me if I let go of needing justice to be served how I see fit you will do it better and you will take care of me. When we get lifted out of our wounding and when we pass off vengeance to Jesus, we are canceling the debt that that person or that situation owed us. There is a need that we have that that person or that situation owed us and they did not fill it. And I believe Jesus is saying to you, I will fill that. I will fill that need that you did not receive. So like we are canceling the debt of that person. It is a reminder that Jesus canceled our debt. We're dropping the need to see justice served the way we see fit, because Jesus, you will do it better and you will do it perfectly. I can live free. I'm out of the jail of 
being tied to seeing something through because I trust that you will do it better and do it perfectly. I have a few questions that I want you guys to just ponder, to reflect, to meditate on. Because this is not easy. This is hard. But I believe that the Lord is faithful. And I believe he wants to meet you in that place, that dark place. So reflect on these questions. I'll give you some space for a minute to, to meet with Jesus. Be in that place. Jesus, as I was living in the dark place, what did I believe about you and myself that was not true? Are you willing, Jesus, to establish what is true of me and of you? Are you willing? Jesus, will you show me what is true of me in my freedom, what is true of you and who you are. Will you replace what was false about you and about me with truth? that I can hold on to and come back to. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys, if you are brave and if you're willing, this is a safe place. We are a family in this church. And I believe that we, um, the Holy Spirit, can use our family members of this church to speak to those dark places, to offer encouragement. And I just, I ask you to be brave. Um, If you have two options, if you need, if you resonated with that and you need prayer, and you need someone to, to speak life into those places, you have the option to either, you know, raise your hand and people notice, like, go to those people and pray. Let the person next to you know, I need prayer. I need to know that what I was dealing with is forever not true of me. And I need to know, like, what is true of me? And I just ask, would you... Um, Whichever one you feel led, tell the person you came with, the people around you, or raise your hand if you don't know anyone. But um, I just want to offer some space. We'll play a little bit of soft music so it's not awkwardly quiet. 
Um, but to just gather around the people next to you, if you're brave, to just share and to continue to let the Lord um, just speak to that place. And as, you know, something that I just feel really led to share is this is not a one and done thing. Like, I think that the, the Holy Spirit, the work of freedom is solidified, but re- revelation continues to come. And so I just, you know, trust that the Lord's finished work on the cross applies to you today. And freedom is for you. But revelation will continue to come. And you'll have to come back to this place of what is true of me? What happened today in my prayer time? What did Jesus tell me? You'll have to come back to that. And that's not because it didn't work, but it's just because we, our, our hearts are faint and we forget. So um, yeah, I just wanna dismiss you to be brave and to pray with the people around you if you feel like I need that. Um, but we're going to do communion and then we can also pray in the back if you need it. So break up into groups and pray.